Alrighty, so last week, also everyone, welcome Andrea. Hi. She's joining us week four for the best study ever. Um, all right, so last week, what do you guys remember from chapter three? Oh man, flying pens. What do you remember from chapter three? Let me get your notes. This is a question, Andrea. Oh, the burning bush. Or the burning bush. Burning bush. Yeah, burning bush. I had COVID last. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, the burning bush. What else happened at the like? What happened at the burning bush? God tells him he's going to. I mean, tell some people something. He's going to go on a. Yeah. A journey. Yes. Yeah, he's like telling Moses, this is what I'm calling you to. You're going to go into Egypt, and you are going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and the elders will believe you, but Pharaoh will have a hard heart, and he won't let the people go. Um, And he's like, but I'm going to go with you, so you don't have to worry. Um, So yeah, that is basically the summary of the burning bush. And then just a summary of chapter 1 and 2 real fast. Moses, born Hebrew. Um, Pharaoh is evil and wants to kill all the Hebrew people, so he says... All baby boys must be put into the Nile. And so Moses' mom hides him for three months, puts him into a basket, sends him down the Nile to like to save him. Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, takes him, and then Moses' mom actually raises him. And then Moses grows up, kills a man who is an Egyptian, hides him. People find out about it. He flees to Midian. He marries someone named Zipporah. And now he's walking along the wilderness, comes across a burning bush, and then it's God talking to him, telling him that he's going to go back to Egypt, save his people, and that he will be with him. So, super fast recap, and now today we are in chapter four. Um, So to start, I have a question for you guys. Um, What is your biggest insecurity? Dang. Yeah. That's a very light question. Yeah. Yeah. Alphabetical chronological. (laughs) Just the first thing that comes to your mind. What's like an insecurity or like a weakness of yours? My body, Your especially body. after having Georgia, having a kid. Yeah. Yep. Body. Georgia's staring me down right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's because your pants are so bright. Yeah. She's oh, like, oh, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sitting in. Uh, fitting in. Fitting in. Or not fitting in. Or not yeah. knowing if I'm fitting in. Yeah. Knowing if other people think I fit in, but me thinking I do. Hmm. Constantly wondering, do I belong here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. My voice. And, yeah. And, um, I just sound like I'm five years old, but. And I think just like when I get anxious, and so I get like super hyper because of that. So I talk fast and I just like mm. am scrambled. And then I feel like that makes my voice sound even higher. So it's just like a whole thing. It's but, like a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else? What go, what else comes to mind when you think of your insecurity and weaknesses? I would say my personality or the way that my brain processes things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I definitely struggle with body image for sure. Um, and I'm sometimes like insecure of like what people are thinking of me or how I'm coming across, you know, all those things. 
kind of going along with like kind of putting yours and Delaney's together. I think just like the way I process things and the way I. Is that her? I hope the podcast picked that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the way I like process through things that I tend to like need to do it alone first, so like I tend to like seclude myself. Yeah. And I'm afraid that people view that as like like something's wrong, mm. and in reality, like nothing's necessarily wrong. I'm just like. That's just like how it process. Because I'm friends with a lot of extroverts and people who like like to be around people and right. That just so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just the way kind of like the way I process things, but also like wanting to be liked. Mm. Whereas like, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I think those are all like like all insecurities kind of stem from what people perceive you as, right? So it's like. If we didn't care what people thought of us, we wouldn't care what we sound like, how we process, what we look like. Um, but people have this huge hold on our lives, and people can be scary. Um, and today, we're going to see that Moses has a huge insecurity, and it, it's actually about the way that he talks. He's fearful of the way that he talks and the way that he articulates things, and he is terrified of people. Um, which makes sense. I'd be terrified too if I was going to go speak to two million people. I think that I would pee my pants. Um, (laughs) But Moses, we're going to see that he has a lot of insecurity and it holds him back from trusting God. Um, So, did anyone read chapter four this week? I did. Yay, Adria! (laughs) You read half of it? That's good. Okay, cool. Well, we'll read it together. But just warning you guys, next week we're reading two chapters. And so... You're going to have to do your reading before you come because we're not going to read both chapters because I'll put you to sleep if I read all two chapters. <laughs> Story time. And Riley's, everyone go to bed and I'll read you. All right, um, let's see. It is 31 verses long. Uh, can someone do 1 through 10? All right, thank you, Maddie. And then 11 through 20. Got it. Thank you, Andrea. 21 through 31. I will. Thanks, Caitlin. All right, take it away, Maddie. Okay. Moses answered, What if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe in the so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and he took it out. His hand was And when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? 
Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. When the Lord's anger burned, or then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will need help. I will help both of you speak, and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand, so you can perform the signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro, Jethro said, Go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who want to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say, then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel my, is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. I'm at the wrong place. I skipped. Never mind. You're good. Um, I think verse 24. 24, yeah. No, yeah, okay. Sorry. You're okay. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord let Moses and was about to kill him. Uh, but Zipporah took a flint knife, cut her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At the time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him, sent him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Uh, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of Israel, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Awesome. Thank you guys for reading. Um, all right. So right before this chapter, so Moses is still at the bush. He's still at the burning bush. And right before this, God tells him that he is going to be with him, um, that he tells them that the elders are going to believe him, but then Pharaoh won't believe him. Um, and that enough should be enough to get Moses to go do what God called him to do, right? That should, that's what should, that's what should be enough. Um, but does Moses believe God at his word right away? Yeah. No. It takes him a long time. In fact, he's kind of ha- he has to be forced into it almost. Um, he doubts, which is crazy because God is literally speaking to him through a bush, right? This bush is on fire. It's burning but not consumed. God Himself is speaking to Moses, and Moses still says no. Um, and, and Moses is held back because of an insecurity of his, of a weakness of his. Um, he doesn't want to accomplish what God has for him because of just what he thinks about himself. Um, so how is Moses similar to us? We might look at Moses and be like, Moses, you're so stupid. God's literally speaking to you. Why don't you just do it? But we're more like Moses than we think. How is Moses similar to us? We don't do things all the time because we're afraid or mm. scared or need to speak at church and give an announcement. Absolutely not. I'm terrified. Or I feel called out. <laughs> I've definitely said no. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
yep. not gonna do it. Yep. Give it to somebody else. Oh, yep. Yeah. I'll always take it if you never want to give an announcement again. <laughs> You'd be great at announcements. You have the energy for it. Like the... This is true. The, I don't know, just the positive vibes coming <laughs> from you. But yeah, there's definitely been times where they've been like, Riley, want to give announcements? I'm like, I'd rather die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's to like 100 people, much less 2 million like Moses is about to do. But yeah, so Moses is just like us because we are held back by our fear all the time. Not just doing like everyday things, but sometimes the things that God calls us to, we say no to because we're afraid of what is ahead. Um, so Moses just needed to trust God, but his fear and his doubt held him back. Um, so God doesn't respond to Moses. He doesn't respond in wrath. He's, he doesn't just kill Moses on the spot. Like, all right, Moses, um, you're not fit for the job if you're going to doubt me. So goodbye. God is so patient with him and he gives him signs to kind of help build him up to show him first the power of God, but also that God was going to be with him. He gives him two signs. Um, and the signs are really, really cool. When I studied, when I like looked into like what these signs meant, um, they're really cool. So the first is a staff into a snake. So Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, God, I guess maybe Jesus. I don't know. Um, God tells him to throw his staff on the ground. And this staff is really important. This staff is going to be throughout Exodus. Um, Moses is always going to be holding this staff. So just keep that staff in mind. Um, so he throws his staff on the ground and it turns into a snake and it scares Moses. It says that Moses is fearful. He like jumps back. Um, I would be scared too. It literally got turned into a reptile. Um, and then God tells him to grab the snake by its tail and then it will turn back into a stick. Um, and this snake is super significant because the national God of Egypt was a snake. So by Moses doing this, he's basically saying, my God is way more powerful than any God of Egypt. Um, and then, so not only did it mean that, but what else do we know that a snake symbolizes in the Bible? Serpent, yeah. What does a serpent represent? Satan, yeah. It represents like evil, right? It represents evil. Satan comes in the form of a serpent to tempt Eve and Adam. Um, So not only does it represent the gods of Egypt, but it represents evil itself. And it's God declaring, I am more powerful than any other god, and no evil can prevail against me. Um, So it's just this huge statement from God saying, I am the Lord, I'm the great I am. Um, which is so cool that God took the time to show Moses this sign and give it to him as a symbol of what God was going to do. And then the second sign um, was also a shock to Moses. Uh, Moses stuck his hand into his into his like jacket and took it out, and his hand was leopard leopardous leprous. Um, so I gathered a few pictures of what leprosy looks like. It is gross. It is so gross. So this isn't a real hand, of course, but this is like a diagram of what. I wanted to connect it to the TV, but yeah, sorry. You don't have to look at it very long. Is it like dying skin? Yeah, it's dying skin, so the skin would turn white, and then it would actually start like peeling and crusting off and bubbling off, and then sometimes, actually most of the time, if it goes untreated, your fingers fall off. So your bones rot, and they just fall off. Well, and it like keeps going. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't just stop there. It'll just keep going on. Yeah, it keeps growing. And so, and this is, and the text says that his skin was white as snow. So this is what, like, leprosy skin looks like before the, like, disintegration starts happening. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And in the Old Testament, leprosy was very, like, very common. Um, So it was like, oh, if you got leprosy, like. You were gone. Yeah, and is it like the, tuberculosis kind of, like, uh, or not like this similar, but like how big it was, like at the time. Yeah, like just like 
I feel like we always have like one big disease. Like yeah, you know? it yeah. spreads by touch, uh-huh. doesn't it? So that's uh-huh. why they always that's they right. had to oh. look. Like that's why the people never went to lepers. Well, yeah. they would literally have to walk through the city or whatever, telling unclean, unclean, because they couldn't touch anybody. Oh, right, so and that's why it was so that. radical when Jesus would just go after them. Yeah, and, like, and touch them. Yeah, and like Jesus would touch them touch and heal them. them. And, but all of the Old Testament, they were told to put the lepers out on the outside of the city because they were so contagious. And so they were these unclean people, but they didn't really, they didn't do anything wrong. They just got this disease that ruined their life. Um, So Moses sticks his hand into his jacket, pulls it out, and it's covered with that terrible disease, um, which to him symbolizes uncleanliness. And then God tells him to put it back into his jacket and then pull it back out and it's clean. Um, and this is a symbol of salvation because we are dirty sinners covered in spiritual quote-unquote leprosy and God alone has the power to clean us head to toe of our sin and make us white as snow um, and wash away all our sins so it's these two powerful signs not only is our God triumphant over evil but our God saves us from our sin and makes us white as snow and he gives these signs to Moses and he tells them and he tells him to go show other people these signs as well. Um, so, yeah, God God is so merciful to Moses in this moment. And then on top of that, he's like, and if these two signs don't convince them, take water from the Nile, drop it on the ground, and it will turn to blood. And this sign is a little different. It represents judgment. Um, so it's kind of like, like you know, like God was going to bring judgment upon Egypt if they did not let the people go. Um, so... Kind of the the point in this is if the first two signs don't convince them, then maybe judgment will convince them. So that's like God's last resort is judgment. Um, So pretty cool. I I love studying that. I thought that was like so amazing. Um, But we look at verse 10 and are those signs enough for Moses? Nope. Nope. What's his excuse? I can't talk well. Don't send me. Yeah. Yeah. Who in here is good at public speaking? Oh, yay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm good at it, but yeah. I don't mind it. And I'm yeah. just like, let's go. You I actually are. It. You actually are good at it. You speak very well. You're Aaron. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, a real life Aaron. Yeah, I would say most people, though, wouldn't say they're good at public speaking. Uh, it's a gift for sure and something that you have to, like, work up. Like, I remember taking a speech class and my hands would shake so bad, I couldn't even hold my paper and... Even now, like, in front of the church, I just want to die. Um, (laughs) So it makes sense, right? We have to, like, kind of sympathize with Moses because we're humans, too, that get fearful. And he's going to go talk in front of all the Hebrew people and all the Egyptian people in front of the most powerful man. Um, And so it's scary. And he says, I'm not eloquent. I slur my words. I'm probably going to be shaky. I'm probably not going to say things right. Like, why would you pick me, God? Um, And God says something so powerful. What What does God say back to him? Who can make you blind or like yeah mute yeah he's like am i not sovereign over your mouth <laughs> like i made your mouth i gave you the gifts that i gave you um why knowing that god is sovereign over our weaknesses how does that change the way that we see our weaknesses like god was oh go ahead maddie inferior <laughs> sounds like inferior Inferior? Yeah, that's what I think. Like, like you feel inferior? Oh. Inferior. Yeah. Like, just... hmm. like, all of a sudden they shrink a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. 
kind of go from these annoying things that you're not good at to tools that mm. can be used yeah. correctly and well. Mm. Yeah, so true. That's what God does. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he takes our weaknesses and he uses them for his glory. Yeah. I was going to say, that just shows that God doesn't want... God doesn't just want the good parts of you. Mm. Like, he wants to use Moses' most, like, feared thing. Mm. And that's just crazy. Yeah. Like, the thing that you hate most about yourself, God might want to use it for something so big that you don't even know. Which is crazy. So crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, and in my mind, I'm like, God, no, I don't want to use that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What about this part of me? Yeah. What about the nicer part of me? It's like like that saying, what is it? Um, God doesn't call the qualified yeah. qualifies, qualifies the, the called yeah. yeah oh so good uh, hold your hand in exodus and flip to second corinthians 12 i love this verse um our god is consistent throughout scripture and so it's it makes sense that this passage is is being said by paul um second corinthians 12 7 through 10 so paul as amazing as he was, he had weaknesses. And so this is him writing about a weakness that he has um, and how he sees the Lord working through it. So starting in verse 7, he says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. So good. That just, like, like speaks to my heart. So, <laughs> like, whoo, the Lord can use my weakest part for his glory. Um, God is working through weak people all the time. Um, which is just so, so encouraging. Um, why do you guys think God chooses to use weak people for his glory? What's his intention behind that? So you lean into him? Mm. So you lean into him? You weren't created to, like, do life alone, like, especially life apart from God. Mm. So, like, if he didn't want you and your weaknesses, like, if you tried to do everything that you were, like, good at, you wouldn't need to lean into the Lord for anything. You wouldn't mm. have to rely on him for anything. Right. But because he uses you, prefers to use you in your weakness, he can, like, shove himself out of the way. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, <laughs> that's good. You said it perfectly. Yeah. scares me. Yeah, like, no matter what, we can always, like, when you know, you're aware of your weaknesses, it makes you dependent on the Lord. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Why else do you think God uses weak people? I feel like it's just like um like a sign to other people that like no one is above like needing the Lord and like mm. I feel like it was common like back then, like and even now like people who like don't really believe in God's like they just think that like they're so much better. Like the king of Egypt just thought he was like so much better that like he doesn't mm. like need God and stuff like that. Right. But it's like no matter how like Weak, like weak or perceived weak like no one there's not anyone out there that like doesn't need the lord so mm. like it's just a sign that, like we're all equal in his eyes and would be yeah that's good kind of humbles you a little bit mm. yeah and others looking at the bible or you know people in real life 
if they, he only used big big people, important people, strong mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. where's the place for me? Right. Mm-hmm. Where do I fit in that? I don't fit anywhere in that. <laughs> I am not big, strong, perfect, none at all. <laughs> yeah. And most people would say that. And so he uses small people also to just show that you're good enough. Yeah. Even when you're little. Yeah. He uses average people that... I mean, all his disciples were, like, average people. Actually, like, below average people. Mm-hmm. But he, like, calls them. He's like, I choose you, fisherman, tax collector. Do you think you're Pokemon? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wait, Pokemon? Oh, I choose you, Pikachu. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Over my head. <laughs> I don't know anything about Pokemon. <laughs> no, <you don't>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I was cool like you guys. <laughs> but yeah, God is a God who uses weak people. And also it gives us no space to boast, right? Because if it was like, I'm great at everything. I don't need God, like Maddie said. And then you get prideful, like Kayla said, like Pharaoh. Um, but then if we're weak, we boast all in the Lord. We're like, man, I just... I did this, like, I just evangelized to this person, and I'm terrified of people. All glory to be to God, because that must be him working through me. Um, So that's another reason God chooses to use us when we are weak. Um, But flipping back to Exodus, after Moses says, Lord, I am not eloquent, I am slow in speech. And the Lord says, I made your mouth, go therefore, and I will be with your mouth. I love that. I'll, I'll be with you, and I'll be with your mouth, and, and I will teach you what to, what you should. literally say, I will be with your mouth? Yes, that's what, that mine says, fantastic. go therefore, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. When I read that, I literally laughed out loud, like, God was like, don't worry, Moses, I'll be with your mouth. That's fine. <laughs> what a different body that is, like, God is soft yeah. over every part of our body. Like, yeah, so true. Great. Yeah, he's sovereign really over our words. Really, like, mm, God has my mouth right now. Like, mm. you don't really think about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. You just think of, like, he's sovereign, yeah, like, as a whole over right. the Lord will make it happen. Yeah, but then when you think about he's sovereign even over the words that you say, it's like, oh, that's interesting. That makes me want to make sure the words that I think of yeah. match the words yeah. that Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, so true. But, yeah, I thought that was such an interesting thing God said. I'll be with your mouth. Um, and then Moses is like, uh, no, please choose someone else, anyone else. Let me go back and just be a shepherd and live my life in peace. And then God gets angry. Um, angry God, not something you want to witness. I have a question. Yeah. Do you think that Moses ever regretted saying that to God? Mm, Probably. I mean, I would, especially if you make it through the entire story. Yeah. And also Moses wrote this. We probably had a lot of time to reflect. But, I don't know. Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then God got angry. He probably regretted it at this moment. And God got angry. He's like, I regret it. <laughs> he now, he definitely regrets all of the times in his life that he doesn't listen to the Lord right away. Because a couple of them, God literally says after he doesn't do what God says, you can't go into the promised land. Yeah. You just get to look at it. Yeah. You can't actually go. Which is so, like... <gasps> if he doesn't regret it now, he definitely regrets it. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see that, like, God is gracious in giving Moses Aaron. But later on in Exodus, Aaron is a big pain in the butt. 
Like, <laughs> it would have been really nice if Aaron wasn't on this journey with Moses. Um, so, yeah, do you guys think that God had the right to be angry in this moment? Yes. Yeah, for sure. God had the right to be angry all along. Um, but he he's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. So he's, in this moment, he's slow to anger. Um, but God definitely had a, a right to be angry. Um, and he says, fine, I will give you Aaron, um, which in the moment is an act of grace, right? Because in the moment it appeases Moses. It's like, okay, I'll have a buddy with me. But like I said, later on in Exodus, Moses, Aaron is a big pain in the butt. He's just, he interferes with everything. He leads the people astray. He causes more harm for Moses than good. Um, so kind of going off Caitlin's question, I'm sure, I'm sure Moses regrets what he said because he regrets what Aaron did. And he wishes that things were different. But God is sovereign. Um, so Moses goes back to Midian after his interaction. God probably, God like shoves him probably out. It doesn't really have Moses say anything else. But Moses holds the staff in his hand. So the staff represents God's presence, which will always go with Moses. So in Moses' hand is always the staff. God is abiding with him. It's the staff that he's going to do wonders and signs with. And apart from God, Moses can do nothing. And so this, this staff is also a symbol of that, um, which is really cool to think about. Um, so Moses goes back to Midian, goes to his father-in-law, and asks for his permission to leave, which is very respectful of Moses. And he takes his wife and his children, and he leaves. And then in verse 20, we see that Moses still has the staff of God in his hand. So he's like, I just picture him like white-knuckling it. Like probably so scared. Just telling himself, the Lord's with me, the Lord's with me, the Lord's with me. The staff is going to turn into a snake. Like, what? That's amazing. Um, And then, okay, I don't know if you guys saw this, but in verse 24, um, it says that the Lord met him at a place that they stopped on the road, and the Lord was going to kill him. Yeah. Did that shock you guys? Yeah. Why why was the Lord going to kill him? Why do you think God was going to murder Moses? Not murder, kill him. God doesn't murder. Why was he going to kill Moses? Do you think he was still, do you think he was like still mad? He's probably running out of his patience yeah. a little bit. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Does he ever like kill anyone in the rest of the Bible? Like, God? Yeah. God strikes down people um, when he sees fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's always just because he's perfectly just. Yeah. Um, so the reason that God is about to kill Moses is because Moses did not circumcise his son. And in this, for the Hebrew people, that was one of the commands that God gave them. I think it's in, um, Numbers 17, no, Genesis 17. Um, Genesis 17 makes it very clear that all Hebrew people must circumcise their sons. That's a sign that they are set apart. At this time, no one was circumcised. So having, being circumcised was like, now everyone's circumcised, all guys, but, well, most guys, I guess. And, but back then, like, like hardly anyone was circumcised unless you were Hebrew. But Moses neglected to circumcise his son, most likely because he married someone that was not Hebrew and that, and that like Zipporah is her name, didn't want to circumcise him. So Moses compromised in that area. And now God is like, you need to circumcise your son or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so why do you think God is so serious about circumcision? Like, no one has to know. Like, why would God care so much? Maybe this is like 
Yeah. Yeah. He's like, how far are you willing to go to obey me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to be following these things. Right. He's going to set all the Hebrews free, and he's going to lead them. Right. And he's not following these instructions that the Lord has given them. Yeah. What? Yep. Does it make any sense? Yep. Yep. Give him one more chance. <laughs> yep. God was so serious about Moses being a leader worth following. One that obeyed God's laws. Because, like, what kind of leader are you if you're teaching something that you're not even following yourself? Um, so what does this show about how God views us if we are leading or teaching or even claiming to be Christians? What should our lives look like? Well, I think it's actually, like, I want to, okay, so I'm going to say that it's encouraging. But I know that's, <laughs> I know that that's like, that's like, you see, like, what? How is that encouraging? Like, God's going to kill me? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, all of God's wrath went on to Jesus. Mm. So all his wrath subsided off of us so it should be encouraging to us because as christians we know that we don't have that wrath right god anymore right. he still wants us to do good but he's also forgiven us in all places hmm. and we're not going to go to hell yes and yeah. he's not going to strike us down and kill us like there were times like in my christian walk when like i'd be doing something that i wasn't supposed to do and i would like be so scared like oh, i'm just gonna like strike me down with like, a lightning bolt yeah and now like after like actually knowing the gospel like in my heart to the spirit like it's just really cool to like understand that all of the wrath that was going to go on Moses went yeah. on Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think That's it so good. To us. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because God is not going to strike us down. No. I mean, he has the right to, but because of Jesus, because of the gospel, like yeah. you said, mm-hmm. that's not on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we believe in Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. That's mm-hmm. a good reminder of like just the amazing gospel. Yeah. I yeah. think it's also encouraging because he sets a standard for us and he wants us to stay there. Mm-hmm. So not only because we don't have to get all this awful rat, but he looks at me and is like, no, I have this standard for you. I have this expectation for you. I want you to meet it. This is yeah. going to be great for you. It's going to be great for all these things, right? And there are consequences if we, you know, don't meet that standard and mm. whatever. And they're not as wrathful as they could be, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but it's encouraging that, you know, we're on this side of the Bible have it all mm-hmm. so we have the yeah. standard yeah. yeah yeah god definitely has like a standard and we'll always like we won't always we won't meet, that. meet it no <laughs> but we can we can try yeah. and then we know that when we fail thank goodness we have jesus because it's not like god is gonna meet us and then try to kill us like he tries to kill moses here he could he could yeah (laughs) he's just in all his ways so whatever he decides to do which like makes me fear him a bit more because i'm like he can do whatever he wants so but also like amazing because he chooses to send jesus when he could choose to strike us down he chooses to send jesus his son to die for us yeah and god's very serious about if you are like a leader or a teacher or even just call yourself a christian he wants your life to align, like, somewhat with his word, you know? He wants you to be full of love, full of grace, to follow the things that he has, um, to abide by what he says. Because otherwise, who are you to lead, to speak, to talk, and to call yourself a Christian if so much of your life isn't lining up? Um, and that can be hard sometimes. Um, but God takes it very seriously. And I think this is kind of an example of it. 
But obviously, like Elise said, you put it so well, Elise. Like, we live under a new covenant now. And that wrath of God is no longer on us. But if we know Jesus as our Savior, it's on Jesus, who died for us. Um, so good. Any questions or thoughts on that, those few verses? I think, that, okay. I think it's interesting that his wife is Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. It. It's not Moses. Mm. It's his wife that's like, okay, we got to get this done. Yeah, why like, do you think that is? This is a real thing. Like, we need to. Yeah, why do you think that is? Why is she the one that does the circumcision? Maybe Moses is just scared again. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, we don't obviously, obviously we don't have a reason. Right. But maybe she finally gets it. Mm. Because if she wasn't a Hebrew, maybe she just didn't get who this God was. Right. Yet. So maybe she finally gets it. Yeah. Or maybe she's just afraid. And so she's mm. following instructions out of fear. Right. Or maybe Moses is afraid. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really know. Yeah. I was thinking, I just read through it again. Um, when it says, you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Or there, I can't remember where it's at. I think it's in one of the Gospels. But it talks about, it references... Correct me if I'm wrong. It references the church as the bridegroom mm. to God, obviously. Right. Does that sound mm-hmm. right? I don't know where it's at. Um, but it, that just made me think of like because Moses is connected to the Lord. It's like mm. I mean, his son is obviously also. Right. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't yeah. Understand what I'm trying to say. Are you saying that because Moses is like connect like connected to the Lord like? A person that, like, yeah, and because they're married, mm, she's also now connected. Yes, so therefore their like son. A submission type of thing, also. Huh, yeah, yeah, and then their son is now also part of that group too, right. which means he needs to be circumcised. Right. Yeah, yeah, because she's not. What did you say? Sorry. No, you go. I talk the whole time, <laughs> so you can talk. Uh, well, this kind of goes back to like the question you had about like why do they do, do circumcision? But I guess I just thought like of like. You know, Daddy brought up the bridegroom of blood thing. Well, like, all the sons have to go through it, like, mm. shed their blood. Jesus, the mm. son, shed his blood. That's so interesting. Mm. Yeah. I've actually never thought about that. Me neither. That's it. good. It's Every Everything has a purpose in the Old Testament, so that's crazy. It's in John chapter 3. Hmm. Um, So circumcision was also a covenant with Abraham, mm-hmm. and so marriage is a covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got the covenant piece in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of covenants going on, yeah. and God was like, "I'm making my covenant with my people to bring them out of Egypt, so you need to maintain your covenant with Abraham." Mm-hmm. Oh no. Um. But yeah. So interesting. Um. And a weird section for sure. My prediction is that. Zipporah circumcises her son because she is the reason he wasn't circumcised in the first place. And then I actually think that, so in verse 28, it says, so he let him alone, him meaning God. So I think that God like had Moses somehow. And then Zipporah was put in this position where she had to circumcise him or Moses was going to be dead. Um, So it was this moment of like, okay, I'm going to obey the Lord and I'm going to do this. Um, that's my prediction, but there's obviously like so much gray area, probably because we probably never know what's gonna ha- what happened. Um, so yeah, very interesting. And then, 
So everything else is pretty self-explanatory. Um, God goes to Aaron and says, go out to the wilderness and meet Moses. And somehow they find each other in the wilderness, which is crazy to think about. There's a burning bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, where's the burning bush? That never goes out. I'll find it. Um, so, yeah, the, they meet and then they go and they speak to the people. And, of course, the elders believe because that's what God said would happen. So, the elders believe. And um, it says that Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened. Um, uh, back in, back before. I skipped over that. Um, but so the people go and they hear that the Lord is going to save them. And they are led to worship because they know that God has heard their cries and has seen their affliction. Why would it, knowing that God has seen your affliction, why does that lead you to worship him? Or maybe why did these people be led to worship because God had seen their affliction? He's bringing them out better. Mm, yeah. He's sent someone to, like, to get them out. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, praise God. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, things like think about your own life when the Lord has shown you a light at the end of a really dark tunnel or like, mm. you know, any of that. Do you not just mm. like fall apart and like <laughs> crying on Sunday mornings when yeah. that happens? Mm. Like, yeah. Mm. So good. <laughs> yeah. They see I, hope. <laughs> they see like it's gonna it's gonna finish soon not as soon as they like we're gonna figure that out pretty fast that it's gonna be a long process but yeah and there's something about knowing that god has seen all the pain that you've gone through and that he's still faithful in it that just makes you want to worship him even more and that's what we see here in these people um so yeah last week i asked you guys um i think my question was why would God, um, why would it be in God's plan to harden someone's heart? So God makes it very clear that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Why does God, like, why is that in God's plan to make Pharaoh's heart, heart, hard? Well, I think for this, like, specific story, it probably was so then he could show more miracles hmm. throughout, like, this whole time. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like, the exact reason. And I don't know the exact reason why, like, lots of people's hearts today are hard mm. to God. Um, but, like, we also know that ultimately it's just, like, for God's glory in the same way it was yeah. like, in the story. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's the answer. It's for God's glory somehow. God is going to carry out these amazing signs and wonders on Egypt. And it's all because of Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And when the people leave, every single person in Egypt at that time knows that God is God. And so that was his intention. And that came through hardening Pharaoh's heart. Um, So yeah, God does weird things sometimes. And we just have to trust him. And we'll see his plan as we continue through um, Exodus. Um, I have a few questions. We're going a little longer tonight, so I'm sorry. But... How does knowing that God is with you and working with you in your weakness encourage you to tackle any task that he gives you? Could you say that again? How does knowing God is with you and working through your weaknesses encourage you to tackle what God puts in front of you? He's already figured it out. I don't have to struggle to find the answer or, you know. Yeah. God's already working on it. Mm. The answer will come up. Yeah. It will just 
be there in whatever way he needs it to be. Like, I'm not doing it by myself. Mm. And it's so encouraging to know that even if it's something huge and insurmountable and just big, or even if it's something little, like a weakness, right. like I have to tell the church on Sunday morning that Awana and the youth group are on for tonight. Do you actually? No. This oh. is an example. Like, if it's something little, <laughs> and I would be fine with it as an example. Yeah. God's going to use it. He's going to use my stumbling over my words if I do to encourage somebody else. And, oh, you know, Riley stumbled over her words, and she's a great Christian. She's, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we probably, probably be fine. Like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. I do, God's going to use. Mm. Yeah. So good. I cannot mess it up enough. Yeah. That he can't use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fumble over my words all the time. Sometimes I, like, listen back to the podcast. And I'm like, how does anyone understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you do a good job. I listen back to the podcast. Yeah. So like, why do I talk so much? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Lord, I, they keep coming back. So I guess you just say what you need to say. We come mm-hmm. back from the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, put the donuts and the snacks. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hope. And any, any task that is in front of you, you can remember the story of Moses. And know that the same God that is working through Moses is working through you. He hasn't changed at all. Um, So Moses had this staff to remind him of God's continuous presence with him. So what can be a staff in your life of God's continuous presence with you? Or what, if you already have a reminder, what is it? Post-it notes. Post-it notes? Mm -hmm. It's almost like post-it notes. Great anatomy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, post-it um, I put post-it awesome. notes everywhere. I just think that could be my big reminder is just writing something. Mm-hmm. Like just putting it in my computer because school's stressful. Mm-hmm. People at school are stressful. Yeah. I haven't seen Brooke in all week. Mm-hmm. I need a week. I need a day with Brooke. Mm-hmm. Brooke's probably going to listen to this. Really? Um, Hi, Brooke. I always feel bad because my schedule like doesn't align anymore like, yeah. for me to come and sit, and I just need Brooke. Yeah, Brooke's awesome. She's awesome. Education people are just really in it for themselves, I feel like. Mm. So it's nice to have reminders, I think. Yes. And we'll see you on Thursday night. Yeah, the cookies. I'm a big music person. Oh, yeah. I have probably too many playlists on Spotify. So I like like different vibes. Like worship music. Can you have two minutes? Oh, it's a little embarrassing. That's okay. Let me find some. Um, but that's probably my biggest thing. I'm constantly listening to music. Yeah, music is awesome. And it like takes you back to a certain time in your life too. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think something I try to do is just saturate my life with Jesus, Mm. so that there's never like space without him yeah like you know monday night i did this tuesday night do this mm-hmm. saturday morning we'll do this mm-hmm. friday night we're going to see friends that are hosting a big worship night at their house like yeah. using your free time for the lord using your intentional time for the lord mm-hmm. filling extra spaces of music with music for the lord and mm-hmm. the things that you think about and what do you what do you read when you right before you go to bed or what do you read right when you wake up in the morning do you yeah. read like mm-hmm. a nicholas sparks novel or the bible you know, I'm not saying that you should never read anything other than the Bible. Yeah. But, yeah. like, are there enough things that there's Jesus every so often in your day? Yeah. Like, if there's, you know, who do you text? Hmm. Who do you talk to? What do you look at? Yeah. 
how are you filling in the gaps? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes all the difference. All the difference. All the difference. I'm a big journaler. My staffs are my journals, I would say. <laughs> I can just look back and remember the Lord's faithfulness and see how much he's grown me or changed or just, I don't know. It's just so good to remember. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Listen, by the way. Georgia is your staff. Yeah, it's good to have those reminders because we are forgetful people. We need them. Yeah. All right, so next week we are doing Exodus 5 and 6, so two chapters. So if you get the chance, I'll do a recap of the chapters no matter what. Um, but if you find the time, get the chance, you should read 5 and 6. And my two focus questions for you guys are, why are we so quick to forget? And two, why would God allow things to get worse before they get better? So those are my two questions for you guys to think about as you're reading it. Um, and we'll talk about those next week. And yeah, I'll pray for us and then we'll do prayer requests after a brief restroom break because, man, I can't go more than an hour. I know. All right. I'll, I, would anyone else like to pray for us? Elise, can you pray for us? Oh, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, dear, dear Jesus, um, we love you so much, God. We adore you. Um, thank you so much for giving us your presence through the cross and through your spirit. Um, thank you so much for just communicating with us. Um, I pray that this week we can just remember all of these words that we learned from Exodus and we can just remember to trust in you more than our weaknesses. Um, I pray you yourself can just give us the strength to do so. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.